Hello Trippers, Alex Zane here, film journalist, movie fan and your host for another glorious episode of A Trip to the Movies. Thank you for joining me today. I am currently in our podcast studio a mile beneath the streets of London town and in a moment my guest this week, Kit Young, takes us on his perfect trip to the movies. Thank you for downloading the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Odeon because if you're going to watch a movie, it has to be at an Odeon Lux. For me, there is no better place to experience the mesmerising magic of the big screen. And when I say big, I mean crystal clear, four times sharper, larger than life, I sense big. A place where you can recline in luxury whilst sipping on your favourite tipple as you immerse yourself in the all-consuming power of the story. Enriched by epic Dolby Atmos that'll make your spine tingle and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Now that is how to experience a movie. And there's no better feeling. You can book your Odeon Lux experience at odeon.co.uk or via the My Odeon app. Odeon say we make movies better and they are not wrong. Also, if you'd like to watch today's interview in glorious Technicolor, head over to our YouTube channel where the video goes up a few days after the pod. And for all the latest updates and to get in touch with us, you'll find us at Trip to Movies Pod on all social media. Right then, if you're ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to a show where each week a special guest takes us on their perfect trip to the movies. This week we're joined by a wonderful actor who, as well as having an impressive stage CV, has appeared in the massive Netflix hit show Shadow and Bone, as well as director Paul Feig's fantastical The School of Good and Evil. He is busy filming the first ever TV series set in the Alien universe at the moment, and he's here today to talk about his brand new horror movie, the insanely brilliant Out of Darkness, hitting cinema screens on February the 9th. And be prepared for me to get very excited because it's an absolute doozy of a film. Joining me in our virtual cinema today is the excellent Kit Young. Mr. Kit Young, um, how, how are you? Congratulations on this film, but how are you first of all? Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm well. Doing all right. Uh, January 2024. It's been a bit colder than I, than I wanted it to be in London, but uh, doing well and excited for this film to come out and very well to see it. I bet you are. Do you not, first of all, do you not like the cold? I'm going to be completely straight with you. This is my favourite time of year because when a lot of your career is based around sitting inside watching movies, you don't get FOMO. That's all right, actually. No, that's not too bad. Yeah, I think I'm all right with the cold. I think I find... January has that feeling of like it's the same as December but without all the kind of festivities. So you just it's just cold. <laughs> and you just have to you just have to deal with it. <laughs> I think it's a bit of that. I get you. No, I I, I get you. Yeah. What, what we're saying is if it's gonna be cold, you have to base an annual festival around the temperature. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was clear. Yeah. I thought we were all on the same page, but apparently not. No, I mean, it, it's yeah. out there now. So I imagine change is already yeah. afoot in the higher echelons of power in this country. Yeah. Um, so the movie, man, the movie. Uh, wow. What, what, what an effing movie. How good is this film? I mean, I think it's great. I, think, I had such a great time making it and I was really excited to see what it was going to turn out like. Because it's the kind of film I think when you shoot it, you still don't really know what it's going to be. Um, or it's hard. It's harder for you to kind of really gauge. And so, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh. um, and so yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been really, really excited about it. And everybody I know has also been like, "What's that deal with that film that you did? The one where 
you know, if you're doing a made-up language and everyone's out mm. in the wilderness, and I'm like, yeah, don't worry, you'll see it. And, and finally, finally, it is upon us. So, yeah. it, finally, well, we're, we're going to talk about uh, when you shot it because it, it's been a long wait uh, to to get yep. this movie out there, but it, it is here. Before we talk about the the the, the minutia of Out of Darkness, uh, give us a, give us a brief rundown about what it's about. And I, I you, I'm sure you're a pro at this, but I watched it and it's it's spoiler city so let's both tread carefully yes yes no exactly yeah so to try and put it into words without spoiling anything uh we're in 45000 bc mm. and we follow six people perhaps amongst the first people um who land uh, who land coming off a boat um into a brand new brand new land May it be Britain, somewhere in Europe, most likely. But they uh, they know nothing about this land, and they're trying to get to the mountains, from the beaches of the mountains, to find a safe place to live. Um, but when nightfall comes, they realise that there's something else out there. And uh, we really kind of test... Um, the We test human nature and see... You kind of question, if there is a monster, who the real monsters are. Um <laughs> And I think that's probably a good way of putting it. So far, yeah, yeah, I, I, very, very well done. That that uh, that ticks all the boxes that I I wanted uh, ticking in terms of getting getting the the the, the essence of this this yeah. horror movie because it is a horror movie. Uh, you said you'd seen it already. Did you see it on the big screen? I did. Yeah, first time I saw it was um, it kind of did the festival circuit. Uh, well, not now, not last year, the year before actually, but um. <clears throat> I saw it then for the first time on screen, and I myself was terrified. Like, full confession, I'm not a massive horror buff. Like, I've since I've since really grown to love the genre. There's a, a few classics I had seen, but I, I didn't seek horror out. Mm. And then after signing on to do the film, I questioned a lot, like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> um, but I... Uh, I then, I then became like fascinated with kind of everything within horror and how you know how the story works and why you make certain creative decisions and, and so on and so forth. But I was I was gripping my seat, knowing what was going to happen, but still kind of being like, I don't I don't think I want to see this. I don't think I want to see this. But then, kind of being blown away because I think I think it's really really vivid and I think it's you're thrown into the center of it um, and you can't yeah. you can't escape. There's nowhere to run. Yeah. Yeah, uh, vivid, thrown into the centre. Yeah, transportive, uh, immersive. I imagine um, watching it on the big screen as you did. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it on the big screen. But the the vistas, the landscape, the yeah. the, the the smallness of this band of characters in this vast unknown. It really, even even on my TV, I was just like, whoa, this is taking me somewhere. Which I I love about a film. Tell me about. Andrew Cumming, the director, who's who's it's hard to believe this is his debut feature. What was your first yeah. conversation with him? So I, re- I initially remember sending in uh, a tape. And yeah, so this is, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier, this is a while ago. It, this is 2020. Mm. So nothing in film is happening. And then I got sent the script through to tape. And honestly, it's the first script, I first screenplay I've read beginning to end without putting it down at all. I was like, oh, there's there's something really going on here. Um, and then I did the tape, sent it through, and then they asked me to kind of come back in for it and do it again. And it was only then that they then sprang it on me. Oh, by the way, there will be a made-up language. Because like, I just oh. read it in English. 
and was like, this oh, is cool. Wait, so the original script that you got was in English? Yeah, was completely okay. in English. And then they went, I guess they kind of trimmed down who they were looking at. And then they, uh, and, and potentially, you know, they're, they're, in, they're only so far through the process of creating the language. Um, and then it was at the final recall I met Andrew. And it was like the first in-person meeting that anyone had had for years. And I remember my agent being like, if this thing goes ahead, the only film that anybody knows that is shooting is The Batman, which also dates it for us now. But, um, like it was just The Batman and nothing else was shooting. And then, and they could kind of, they could do this because it's a small indie film and also it was going to be incredibly remote. Um, and so I met Andrew and he was kind of explaining the idea to me and I was like, this is great. But it was also, it was also quite funny. And I think he was also really aware of it. Like, you know, it's this, it's this Scottish team making this film up in the Scottish Highlands. And it's these six mixed race peoples from all over who are kind of representing the dawn of man. And, it, and he think he was like, yeah, I'm this kind of Scottish white dude. who's going to like do this thing about the beginning of time and destroy everyone. And I was like, dude, whatever your plan is, I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm just in. Um, cause we, cause we were all, we were just really curious to kind of see what it was going to be. Cause I think if you're going to do something about the first people, you can really kind of go anywhere. Um, and without spoiling the film, mm. a lot about this film could have happened. Mm. For all we know, it could have happened. It's 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 kind of choose your own narrative in terms of what you want to believe. Kind of isn't isn't mm. possible. Um, but uh, I think that was one of the things that was very exciting about it is that we would arrive on these locations that he'd scouted with his team, and we'd just be like, oh well, this is it. Like we don't have to, you know, there weren't a lot of sets. We were just there, <laughs> and so it was like it was really. Is really tremendous, and and I just kind of trusted him and went, whatever we're going to do, let's get out there and try and make it, regardless of what the weather says. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, I was just talking to your uh, the PR Chris beforehand. There's a, there's a book I read called Sapiens. Um, I don't know if that was. Yeah. I don't know if you if you got a reading list for this movie, but anyone who's read maybe the first quarter of Sapiens will have a good idea um, about yeah. what this movie's tackling. But you just touched yeah. on it. Then what was this a research driven thing? I mean, you know, I mean, the obvious question is how do you research a person in forty five thousand years BC, or was it a completely blue sky exercise where it was like, look, we just don't know. So, you know, like you say, pick pick your narrative. Yeah, there was a there was a bit of there was a bit of both um, when it came to the design for the film. And for instance, like our costumes, what we were wearing, all that kind of. There was a lot of research for that. Because there were some things that we did that we didn't end up, we didn't end up using. Like you know, we're all in furs for the film, because you know we can all buy that people wore furs after killing and so on. Yeah. Um, for warmth, but um, there was a at the beginning because we get on on a boat. This didn't make it into the film, but we basically had like a um uh, a form of almost like a rain hood, like a like a like a waterproof that was made from seal skin. It was taken from. Uh, we we know that it basically goes that far back that that people were able to do that, and it kind of um, it's very much kind of like in today's modern day like Inuit tradition, but um, we didn't use it because it kind of looked like a modern day Mac, like it just looked and and I think the worry was if we if we really go hard for a look, some people might be not able to distinguish whether it's prehistoric or post apocalyptic. Right, because you yeah. could also be treading in that territory. People kind of go, "Who are these people in first, but with like yellow 
Mac hoods, it kind of looks like we're stepping out of a spaceship. So, and the, although, yeah. And so it's kind of also a, a trying to make the assumption of what the audience might believe is from the past and kind of going, yeah, these people are clever, but we don't want them to think they're too clever, even if they are very, very smart. Um, so, I guess there's, a, there's another version of this movie then where you could play it as a, a timeless piece and then at the end of the film go, <laughs> 45,000 years BC and people go, oh, yeah, exactly. I was watching the past. I thought I was watching the dystopian future. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that actually Andrew, our director was really worried about was that like you'd get to the end of the film and then it would pan away. And then so you'd just see a skyscraper in the background <laughs> and you'd be like, <laughs> mm, not sure. But to be honest, you, a lot of it is up for interpretation. People can really, they, they, they really can, um, infer what they like on it because I think the characters themselves are also so um, you naturally when I think when you watch an ensemble cast of something you naturally choose one to identify with more than others and kind of go oh if I were in this situation I'd be that one um, but I think you know we really kind of test that a bit because it might well be that the person that you most back actually then turns around and does something despicable or meets yeah. a very awful end um, yeah. so I think it's it's really interesting in that way uh, yeah, I mean, it is as much as there is an external horror in the film, there is very much uh, the internal horror of this group dynamic. Um, you said yeah. you're not a fan of horror. Um, when I use comparisons for a film, I, mm. I, in, the, in this instance, I'm using them as a, as a massive compliment uh, because I think yeah. that these are both movies that people go, cool. Um, there, there, there are elements of Predator in there and you're like oh ho, ho. there yes. is certainly um a, a a a blair witch vibe uh, i'm not saying it was yeah. influenced by these films i'm saying like there are there are moments in it that you go oh and the blair witch thing the noises in the woods when you are trapped in those woods with the group and something is in the forest yeah, yeah, yeah. like famously like they're the, the 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 filmmakers behind the blair witch literally sort of hid in the middle of the night and played tricks on the cast to try and generate that fear what was your what was your story we uh well yeah that was the interesting thing so we uh yeah those, those references kind of both really work i think and another one of andrew's influences with the original alien um just because so much of it is about like the the characters at the center not knowing what the thing is and the thing also as a great reference point um but uh i think we they didn't quite play tricks on us I think they were worried that we'd that they were putting us through too much <laughs> um, <laughs> because we were constantly. I mean, I, I think so. Me and a couple of those like we we just we just never got a break. You know, we're just just running and running and running and constantly at like number ten in terms of like panic levels. I remember when I came back and had to do all the replacement, like the ADR for the film, and basically almost have it hyperventilating because you're just constantly stressed. Um, but we. But like more than half the film almost is set at night or about half the film is set at night. And for us to kind of be true to it, there were a lot of times where basically our light source was the fire that we'd made or the moon and sometimes just the moon, which was particularly tricky. Um, I remember there was a scene that I had with uh, Chuku, uh, who plays Adem, the leader of the group, plays my older brother. Early in the film... He grabs like a like a, a flaming torch and charges out of the camp, and I chase after him, begging him to stay. Because I'm like, if we all get sped up, we'll die. And um, it was on this huge hill, and we had like horizontal rain that you can't really even pick up on camera. That was rain. We looked quite dry, but it was very intense conditions. The camera operator 
was and the grip behind him were kind of mud sliding down the hill because it was all kind of steady cam. So he's running backwards. Chuku's chasing him. And then I'm running where the light used to be because Chuku's <laughs> running with the torch. So so there'd be times when well, we'd be shouting at each other from the dark. They'd be like, Kit, we can't see you. Like, well, I can't see shit. Like, we'd all be like screaming in the dark, hoping for the best. Um, and so... I think the main thing was just making sure that people didn't get lost. Um, we have one of, one, of, one of our actors in particular, Arno, who plays uh, Odal, who's like the, the elder in the group. He, he often liked to kind of sl- slightly play tricks on people. And so often he would just like, especially when we're in the woods, because the shooting in the woods is actually really interesting. Even in the light, you'd often have to wrap earlier in the day because you lose light quicker once you're in the thick of the woods. So you actually just can't see as much as you think you can. Um, even if it's 2 p.m. But Arno would just drift off into the woods if he wasn't being used. And then he'd come back in about half an hour. And you'd assume that he'd probably gone off to the loo or gone off to find something. But when he'd come back, you'd always be like, oh my God, where have you been? Um, and so, yeah, the crew, the, crew, the crew were actually the safest ones. I think we were probably the, li- we were the liabilities. Most likely. Um- I, I guess you've, uh, I guess you're allowed to be a, a liability on occasion when you have done something that just to, just to try and wrap my head around it, it sounds insane and almost I just don't understand how, how as an actor you've got a script that you've read in English and then they go right we're giving you a brand new language that we have created that you have to learn. So, are you there? Yeah reading a script in this language because and with the english script alongside because i guess you have to yeah you're looking at words that you don't understand because because you've got a mm-hmm. script full of them and yet you still yeah. have to deliver the right emotion talk me through the process of that it, yeah it was the language thing was really really interesting because um i think everybody also got it at different stages there's out of the six of us there's four of us that are uk based Arno was out in Germany, and Luna, who plays the kid, is out in Switzerland. So we all probably got it at slightly different times. And I remember Chuku in particular, probably having some of the most dialogue at the beginning of the film as the leader of the group, he got it the last because he actually, he was like, they, they did the deal on him being cast very, very last minute. There was a whole debacle about casting and all this kind of stuff. So I remember when he showed up, he'd been told by Daniel, who created the language, the, the linguist, he was like, oh, yeah, you haven't met Kit yet, but Kit's really good at the language. Go to him. I've had two sessions with this guy <laughs> on Zoom on the language. And I think he thinks this is a professional linguist. He's not actually someone who really works in film. So we were kind of learning each other's industry a little bit. And he was, um, was very complimentary about me. But at the same time, I think he thought I knew more than I did. Um because there'd be certain words that you'd see, like one of the words that would come up a lot of the time is L-A-A-S-H, which I would read as la. And he'd be like, no, no, it's lash, like in French, you know. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, and because he's using influences of like Arabic and some kind of uh, African tribal tones and some kind of ancient Scandinavian stuff, the idea is that these people have traveled through all these places. So he's got all these influences. I'd show up and I remember Chiku meeting me and he was like, bro, you got to help me out with the language, man. I'm, I'm at square one. And I was like, I don't know what you think I am. I'm not fluent. Like we, I think we can make it up. Um, <laughs> which of course we, which of course we sort of could, but we sort of couldn't. What was interesting about the language is also 
we all got to a point where we kind of really understood it. At the beginning, the, fir- the first few takes of everything, you'd, you'd know your bit, but you'd kind of be looking at the other actor going, Are you, have you finished talking? Have you, have you still got some more syllables, some more words to say? I actually don't know. This is what I mean. It must have been yeah. so hard. It was, but then you end up actually understanding some of the words because you know what they mean. They would often be like simplified versions of what the English was. And there were certain words that would come up several times. You know, if, 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 if one word means something in English, it probably actually means all of the things that are also similar to it. So yeah. you'd actually kind of end up getting it. I remember towards the end of the film, there was a, there was a scene where me and Safia are kind of almost screaming at each other like in the, in the rain and the hail. And we didn't have any lines for it. And Andrew was like, Kit, can you, uh, can you improvise some stuff? Like, yes, no, stop, fuck off, I hate you, stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know all those words. Because we've been doing it for like every yeah. day for like, but also we shot the entire film like five and a half weeks. So we were just doing it every day. Um, so there's six people in the world that can speak this language. That's nice. That's a great claim to fame. Um, and I, I, sh- I, I want to, I, I guess I should say at this stage, while you are speaking this language, if anyone's like, oh, I don't know, I want to see a film where I don't understand what people are saying, it is subtitled. So we know what you're saying. Good to the know. actors. Yeah. yeah. I just suddenly realized yeah. as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, I don't want people to think that you can't understand what is being no, said. No, it, it, is, is it is a subtitled film. It's also not an overly talky film. No. Like part of it was also like, there are a lot of scenes where I think, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a scene kind of later in the third act, which everyone was talking about, it was like the talky bit. And even in the script, it was like, this is this is not a long scene. <laughs> there's just two people talking when there's so much that happens without speech. So the subtitles are important to note. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of bonkers to do. Also, what was funny was the crew will say, they go, action, we talk. They go, cut, and they go, well, we assume you've got it right, because we don't speak it. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a wonderful film. Out of Darkness is hitting cinema screens, which I cannot emphasize enough. is a great place to see this movie on February the ninth. Kit, it is now time to leave this reality and enter a dimension of pure film where our virtual cinema awaits. You are our guide. We are your audience. Kit, let's go on your trip to the movies. So we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip kit. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? I'm choosing my parents. I'm choosing my parents because I don't think I've been to the movies with my parents since I was a child, properly. Like it was something that they take me, they take me to. My dad would take me a lot of times I go with my mum, but I think I'd love to just sit between my parents now as an adult and just be like, this is why I do. Uh, but I'm also just watching it as you're watching it. Um, especially something obviously I'm not in. It's been like, <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm just seeing, especially if it, I know we've just talked about horror, especially if it was a horror, because I know my mum would be terrified. So it'd be very, it'd be fun to sit next to them and just have their reactions. Yeah. Did did they, uh, did they let you go and see movies that you wanted to see as a kid? Or did they, some parents manage what their children see, make sure they don't watch things too early and stuff. I guess when it's the cinema, yes. you, there's the rating system. Did they ever take you to something that like you knew that maybe you shouldn't be seeing? On the whole, I think maybe if I was 10, there'd be a discussion about watching a 12A. Like, mm, is he too young? Um, but on the whole, I was... Yeah, yeah. Age rating wise, I was always at the kind of the right stages. If I wasn't, 
and we might get into this into a bit, it was a different parent's fault. You know, when you go with your friend, yep. you go with your friend and their parents and like, oh, I, if I came back a scarred child, there would be words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had that experience. Yeah. My, my mum let me and my friend watch Aliens. This was on VHS and, uh, and, and his mum yeah. uh, was not happy. Uh, with that, but also, no, but we're up in a whole new ballpark now, which is if you're watching it in at home, that's a whole other thing. Because also, true. you can just you can just do it off to go to sleep. You know, you just kind of go, oh, Terminator. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you looking forward to? Are you well? Are you going to take your parents to see Out of Darkness? Are you going to take people? Because again, you've been waiting a long time for this to yeah. hit cinemas. I think. Yeah, I, I think I am. I think it's. Um, it's also a film that I think uh, is really good to see in the cinema. I'm really glad that it's got a cinematic release. I mean, nowadays when you're making a film, it's it's really hard to gauge when you make it kind of what that initial release would be. Nothing against streaming, because I've done that too. But I think there's, um, there's <laughs> yeah, something about this a, film. That would be a mad thing yeah, exactly. to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, streaming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh, terrible, sh- terrible. Sh- shadow, most sh- of my shadow, career. <laughs> shadow and Bone, The School oh. of Good and Evil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think um, there's something about, um, there's something about uh, I think, a shared horror experience in the dark that kind of naturally goes with the cinema. Because I, I think even if you were going to watch it at home, this is the kind of film where you go like, go on, turn off all the lights. No, no, all of them. Yeah, now, now, and then just let it creep in on you. Um, so yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, 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 I want them to, I want people to see it on the big screen as well. Lovely. Yeah. You are taking your parents to our virtual cinema. Now there is a mm-hmm. clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time kit. What time of day are we going to the cinema? We're going evening. I always want to go to a late one. I really love late screenings. Um, I say evening. I want it to be one of those where it's like, you know, the awkward ones where they're not allowed to do it at midnight. It has to be the day before they go, it's midnight and one minute. <laughs> those, are, those are the screenings. The, 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 the midnight and one minute screenings are my favourite. Okay, yeah. so this is, that's not evening. You want, to go, you want to go to the late, late show. Dead of night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, good. Uh, and your parents are going to be happy with that because obviously, I, you know, as a slightly older man myself, I'm like, well, ten o'clock is sort of my cut off. But uh, but you're saying late. Yeah, late. I think I think I think there'll be a novelty to it. Um, it's also like you know, I don't typically go to the cinema and have a and have a hard drink. But I think when you do it, then it's kind of like you know, let's let's get get a beer or a glass of wine and sit there and then. And then, you know, it's always, it's interesting. You come out at three and you probably see everybody coming out of bars and you kind of go, we've just been to the movies. <laughs> it just feels like a slightly different, <laughs> slightly different vibe. I think the novelty aspect of it is something I've been into. Yeah. You've been in yeah. a bar. We've been imbibing yeah. culture. So yes. <laughs> look at us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right, then. I'm going to send you uh, and your parents at one minute past midnight to the cinema now you booked the tickets for this trip very kind of you where in the auditorium are we going to be sitting uh not too far forward because i know me and my dad will will get neck pain looking up at the screen especially if it is a big auditorium um so but like i do like to sit at the back like right at the back i do enjoy that because it it's just unsettling having someone behind you all the time is really loud but I think if you're there for the audience experience, I think being it's packed out audience right in the centre, dead centre, you can see everything. I think that's kind of the dream. 
popular popular choice kit very popular choice on the show Often and hard it, to book those tickets uh, this is your perfect cinema trip you've got those tickets mm. they're, 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 you've got the golden tickets um they're all Thank you. yours um yeah no they are it's a, it's a popular seat and scientifically uh from various uh technical sound engineers the best place both visually and audibly to watch the movie that's the other thing of course yeah yeah and, and with a movie like out of darkness um Whoa! The sound design. This, I've got. May I? May yeah. I? Uh, may I bother you with one of the most uh, boring, <laughs> overused cliches in the world? The sound design is a character in itself, uh, but it really <laughs> yeah, is very apt. You're very. It's correct. You know, it is. It truly is. It's. It's. I think that's one of the main reasons to also go. It's like you're plunged into darkness, but also that it's really. It's all around you. It, the sound design is incredible. Yeah, it, it's crazy. There's a moment where. In the in the woods uh, sequence, uh, where you you it's almost like building the, and the, building, yeah, and the monster's noise. You're like, oh, that's the monster making that noise, and then it melds so perfectly with the score and the sound design that you're like, was yeah. that the monster or was that the score? What is going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, it does it so well. It's really, really great. Yeah, yeah. If it if it if it wasn't obvious already, uh, fan of the movie. Uh, right then, uh, the air in the foyer is full of wonderful smells. All manner of Ugh. snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat? I'm going for a classic large combo popcorn mixed salt and sweet. Because also, if it's a long old film, I want to get a bunch of flavours. Um, and then, yeah, I'm probably getting that and a large Coke and making sure I pee beforehand. Good. Good. I mean, look, I'm going to say this right now. You sound like you're an experienced cinema goer, uh, Kit, because you know the pee before yeah. the, the pee beforehand is essential. This is absolutely. This is, this is, yeah. This is day day yeah. one of going to the cinema. I I think I go to the cinema in the same way that dads plan to go to the airport. Like I think that's, there's a, there's a certain level of there isn't quite an object an objective checklist, but mentally it's all there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like I like that. You know, you start thinking about it the day before, and if you're going with friends, you're ringing them up, and you go, "Are you re- you do remember yeah. to go for a pee before the movie?" Good, <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. We yeah. be there in time for the trailers, all of that. Yeah, exactly. It's three fifteen, not three thirty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, brilliant. We've got everything we need. Let's get out of the foyer. We push open the doors to the corridor down towards the auditorium. Now, the corridor is looking pretty bare at the moment, so I'm going to put up some posters that illustrate some of your most important movie memories. And the first poster depicts Kit, your fondest movie memory. Um, This is really hard to pick because, as you can tell, seasoned cinema goer. Um, But there was a really, there was a really, really lovely time i think it was probably like one of the first times that i'd started to kind of make any sort of money working in screen and um my youngest sister who's 10 years younger than me uh she was still very much at school and i was like older brother take her out for a treat and i went i took her to go and watch paddington 2 i went back i grew up in oxford so i went back to oxford took her to the cinema like during the day and it's one of those where it's like a weekday thing so actually there aren't too many people in there's lots of like young parents with young kids and so I was like the one that was like no no not a parent it's my sibling <laughs> um, but then what I didn't expect was to be like sobbing at the end of the film um, it was brilliant and I think she was also looking at me like are you okay bro um, 
And I was like, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, kind of like Andrew Garfield in the most recent Spider-Man. I was just there. Oh, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. That's oh, yeah. I mean, Paddington too. What a what a movie. Hugh Grant in that movie. I mean, he's just outstanding. So good, so good. Yeah, I know we've outstanding. I mean, did you see um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves? He's gr- yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he's great in that. It's the same character, he's I brilliant. admit, but he's so good in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so good. I think yeah, he's having his villain era. I'd argue uh, Paddington 2 is one of those uh, rare occasions where a sequel is better than the original. Do you concur? I do. I agree wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, it's 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 rare these days, but well done, everybody. It, it's brilliant. And I'm excited for the third, which is, rumour has it, still on its way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, other sequels, let's do it. Uh, other sequels that are better than the original. Uh, um, other sequels. Godfather 2, obviously. Um, Godfather 2, yes. I mean, yeah, that's that's also a high bar to surpass. But yes, I do agree. Oh, um, I, I, take, get me, give me your take on this one, because this this uh, this is one that I, I've not had stand-up rows about, but I have dug my heels in. Aliens is better than Alien. Oh, um, I find that hard. I've also got to slightly... Um, I've got to be careful here, because I'm currently working on an alien project and so i'm like you. i'm all wrapped up in it um, <laughs> oh yeah of course um, yes doing the the tv show for it so yeah so kind of like which i can't say anything about but it, obviously this is something we discuss mm. alien is one of the most quintessential horror films brilliant of all time aliens is one of the greatest action films of all time there are elements mm. of both genres in there but they are slightly living in different camps mm. I, I think I have a, I have a, I have a love for the first one. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm going to put them like this, but oh. I will I will raise you one. Um, it's tricky when you get into trilogies. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight I think is a stronger film than Batman Begins. Yeah, I um, mean that's that's fine. Yeah, um, but yeah, but also I'm... I would I would I would say is the Two Towers better than the Fellowship? Good, I think good I one. love it more. Mm. Just like you got Helm's Deep, you're in. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with yes on that. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. and I, I, I completely appreciate you sitting on the fence with the alien question because <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to upset I, people at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple yeah. as that, right? Are you, yeah. are you, you're obviously in London at the moment, but you must have, you've been out in Bangkok filming. I'm only saying things that are out there already. Yeah, and, yeah no, I, I mean, go back next week. Yeah, go back. It's also kind of slightly mad because we got stopped because of the strikes, and we all thought we'd be back within like three weeks, and now it's been five months um, since since we were there. So it'll be very it, 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 like going back into having costume things and stuff, and they're like, mm, "You've changed weight," and I'm like, "Yes, Christmas happened." <laughs> um, but yeah, no, very much looking forward to getting back to that. Um, uh, as a huge Alien fan, I, I'm just—I mean, I can't think of a better person to be bringing this to the screen than than Noah Hawley. It must be—I I imagine it's kind of an extra dream working with him on this. Very much so. Very much so. He's—he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's a real kind of like—I uh, don't know how to quite say it. Like a, almost like a forensic architect with everything. Like he's like he's—he's he's done it. It's just all there. And so I've already been witness to a few times of someone going. Like, you know, someone's very excited. They're like, okay, well, I've got this idea and this and this. Well, it could be this. And chances are, he'll listen and go, yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. But if you look at the original idea, you'll go, yeah, it's, it's still better. So we'll just do what he did. 
what you put down. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's it's very exciting, and um, yeah, I think I I think he's a he's a perfect person to kind of help it. Yeah, oh. it's great. Roll on twenty twenty five, which is when that's coming out. Um, yeah. The last thing I'll say on on the matter is I just I I've as long as I've been watching the alien movies as an adult i've wanted it i've wanted it to be set on earth i've wanted to see xenomorphs yeah. on earth and um yeah and that's that 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 the principle of that alone excites me and after nine films <laughs> finally you're gonna get a tv show where that will be the case yeah i yeah because i as soon as i said that i was like no way they haven't already done that right i was like they haven't done that yet i was like Oh, cool! You get to be the first. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, the only time we've seen it is at the end of Alien Resurrection, and it's a bit rubbish. Uh, but that's you know, uh, it's yes, Resurrection is different. Yeah, we don't see aliens on Earth. We just see Earth, and it looks a, a bit run down. Um, I'm gonna. St- <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I, I I can see you're on high alert about Alien, and I do not want to get you into trouble, Kit. So no, I am we'll going to do a follow up another time. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Oh, please come back and talk about that with me. But right now, we'll carry on down the corridor and put up another poster. And this kit depicts your worst movie memory. When we signed into this before, talking about parents allowing you to go and see stuff, I was mm. far too young to watch The Village in the cinema with Joaquin Phoenix, the horror movie that I went with my friend. Because my friend, yeah, this is, I was in, I think I was in primary school still. Like I would have been like year five, year six, and okay. so okay, that is like young. yeah, yeah, and like you know, have you ever been in the cinema where you're you're scared and you see someone just doing this slightly, putting their fingers in their ears, and someone next to them goes like, "You're right," and I'm like, "Yeah, just having a scratch, but also blinking a lot," and I was terrified, and then and the the sound was terrifying and the monsters were terrifying and also it's not actually a film that is like a monster film it's much more cerebral than that it's it's much more kind of like impress uh, oppressive environment and what people will do to each other and i just i think it was one of those experiences that may kind of made me grow up a little bit too quickly i was like oh pe- adults do these things to each other it was one of those um uh, it's so interesting that like you've taken you've taken it to this uh, uh, psychological place um I, yeah I mean, i'm clearly uh, still scarred <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a this is a, a, a triggering answer for you i get that it's yeah. um, it's, it's it's i mean your analysis of it though is interesting because it is a movie that it almost was quite prescient in so much as it predicted the future of like the way the world has kind of becoming not in the best way you've got a group of people yeah. that that just exist in their echo chamber and just like yeah it just it's it basically saw what the internet was going to become with just people and the algorithm yeah. going here's more of the same don't look over there stay in here it's the village yeah yeah it really is it feel now now it now it feels like if it hadn't been done it would be a black mirror episode mm. like it's kind of like like the, the, you can now go back and I think especially with horror you go you can kind of go back and have a look and so many horror films are basically morality stories because like you know if that person does a bad thing they're probably going to get got but um you can go back and look at stuff and you kind of go like wow you said all these things that now we're just living with with the internet and it's it makes it even scarier really but yeah yeah the village right, 
a poster for M. Night's The Village is Going Up as Your Worst Movie Memory. Okay, let's carry on. The third poster we're putting up depicts the last performance that brought you to tears, Kit. Yeah, um, it's Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Um, I was I was pretty late to the party having seen it. I'd also recently just met him. Oh, wow. Um, I'd met him. I was doing um, I was doing a comic con for uh, for Shadow and Bone, and he was there. Um, it was quite an amazing one. It was out in New York, and it was it was also like it was like the reunion for um, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, like the first time I've seen together in a long time. It was it blew me away. But like on the third day, because we're all in the same green room, on the third day I was like, and on the third day. Um, Brendan was kind of in the, in the corner and his team were kind of doing different stuff. And I was like, listen, kid me is going to lose it if I don't go over and say hello, right? And I was, so I went over and I was, and he was so lovely. And I kind of like, oh, hi, how are you? And I was like, I'm great. He's like, where are you from? You're from London? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to London for this, uh, this film festival, which Out of Darkness was also playing at. And I was like, oh, cool. I wasn't going to get to be there. He was like, yeah, for this movie, I'm doing The Whale. In my head, I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. And I'm pretty sure you're a lock-in for the Academy Award. <laughs> but obviously, this is kind of earlier in his, in the kind of campaign. Like, the, the, the standing ovation at Venice Film Festival had happened, but not everybody was aware of it yet. And I was just looking at this guy being like, I used to watch you every week on George of the Jungle. <laughs> and like, I used to watch The Mummy. And like, and this guy's in front of me, this incredible presence and then i watched it i was quite i watched i watched it I, like you know when films start to go out of cinemas and you're like oh no I've, I've, I've almost missed it i need to find a place so i went to a cinema i don't normally go to watched it with my friend and we again just sobbed and then we went for a we went for a, we went for a drink afterwards and just kind of sat in silence <laughs> just kind of like wow they really he did all that and it was so impressive i think it was absolutely outstanding and it and it's just an extra like blowing my mind that I'd that I'd come across him at that time at that kind of that time in his in his story that's, that's amazing so all the various and all and all the very when you said that all the various uh, people you're all in the same green room before you all migrate to your various stages at the event yeah. so are you are you just looking around at a room full of like you know your Michael J uh, Fox's your Christopher Lloyd's your, your Brendan yeah Fraser's. a little a little bit uh, yeah um, Michael, Michael J Fox kind of had his own kind of like trailer because you know, health-wise, he's being looked yeah. after. Um, but, um, yeah, Christopher Lloyd is just kind of, like, casually there getting his coffee or whatever. And I'm there, like, going, don't say Great Scott. Don't say Great Scott. <laughs> don't say Great Scott. Um, uh, great, great Scott, this is good coffee. I'm yeah. Really casual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, trying to be cool. And fortunately, like, I was also there with, like, other cast members from my show. So, like... We can kind of like group together and keep each other sane. Um, but there's there's always, like at all those events, there's always people that I'm like, oh my gosh, this person from either my childhood um, or someone that I've like, I've been watching your work last week. Um, there's always a little bit of that. People are always also really, really friendly to each other. And you don't always get to meet everybody. But um, I remember like the first con I did and um, they were like, you're, they're really excited you're here. And I was like, really? I don't really know what this is. And then I walk out and next to me, then following table, on one side of me was Christopher Eccleston. So there was all the Doctor Who fandom. And I was like, well, I can't compete with that. Yeah. And I was like, my show's been out for like five months. I'm like, no one's going to know who I am. On the other side of me is William Shatner. <laughs> and I was like, you are all the trackies. And I'm like, it's not fair that you put me in the middle of those two. 
That was just not cool. And then like George Takai walks out and like has a little hug with William Shatner. And I'm just here like, why have I got a table? I should be in the queue. <laughs> I should just be like, with, I'm, I'm stunned that this is happening. So yeah, it's it's a very kind of interesting, bizarre crossover thing that can happen, which I'm very grateful for because I've got to keep Brendan crazy and all those other guys. Oh, and Shadow and Bone fans are not a small number either, though. No joke. They're no joke. They're they're, they're serious, mm. and they are they are so wonderful and so lovely and so friendly. They also they they really travel, and lots of lots of people do from lots of fandoms. But I remember like a lot of the things I've done when you've met people in person have been in Europe. Um, but you get people who come from all over. I was doing a I was doing a one man show at the end of last year, and on the first day. I come out into the bar, signing a couple of things here and there, and people were like, "There was someone with a suitcase," and I was like, "Oh wow, thank you! Like you've travelled, where have you come from?" And they were like, "Singapore," and I was like, "To Finsbury Park in North London, really?" <laughs> like it was, it was, it really kind of blew my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, they 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 really are the best. They are amazing. This is a really uh, interesting question um, to ask of uh, someone who's in a, a really popular uh, series like Shadow and Bone, yeah. a massive IP, but who also, you know, you're a, you're a prolific stage actor. When you get fan, do you, do you, and what's it like to get fans from Shadow and Bone come to see you in a play because they know they're going to see you in person who might not necessarily yeah. get what the play is at all or ever have been to a play? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because like I all of I've done a lot of theatre, but most of it I did before any sort of notoriety or being stopped in the street for anything, right? So it's kind of pre Shadow and Bone, which was really mm. the inciting incident. Um, <laughs> good, uh, <laughs> good, good one for one for the scriptwriters out there, everyone. <laughs> there you go. Um, but um, but uh, I uh, it was very interesting doing this doing this show, which is really the first kind of play I've done since then. And um, it's a one-man show. So also all the promo stuff for it is just pictures of me. So the, so people come. It was also a magic show. It's a whole story. But like, I'm now a magician also, apparently. But um, uh, I for was real, doing for a real, show. For real, real. For like, you actually are a magician or you were playing magician. Or can you do magic? Can you do magic now? Yeah. Yeah. I was taught oh. magic and now I can do magic. And now I can do magic. Yeah. Yeah. What? So stay tuned. Yeah, a very, very lucky turn of events. But um, I uh, was doing the play and you'd have people who like show up like, okay, so put it in perspective. There was a show that was on my birthday. And the first half of this show kind of, it feels like, oh, it's Kit doing a magic show. It's me talking to the audience. It's very kind of like, there's no fourth wall. You can't really tell that it's a play or that there's a narrative. It just feels like, oh, Kit's bringing us in and it's all comfortable to be here. Then the second half suddenly gets very dark and the, the narrative comes through, it becomes a revenge story and it gets very, very dark very, very quickly. And you realise someone in the audience is going to die and he's going to kill them. You know it's bleak. But I come on for act two on my birthday and it's very sombre and there's a single spotlight and I turn out into the audience and I can see 70% of the audience in the interval have gone away and put on party hats <laughs> because it's my birthday in life. <laughs> and they're all the Shadow and Bone fans that have gone, we booked specifically to be here on Kit's birthday. They passed it around to other people who don't really know. And I've just gone, sure, why not? Including like my family. And they're all just sat there like this. <laughs> El Nancy Colored Party hats. And I'm there like, 
I'm about to do a monologue about how a member of my family has killed themselves, like really bleak stuff. And I'm looking at these people like, okay, I'm not going to deal with this. <laughs> and they're also using volunteers and going, you in the blue party hat, mm. come on. <laughs> like, you oh know, it was, it, it was a unique experience because it's like you have to also reconcile why they're there as well as, well as the people who have just come to see a show. Very, very bizarre new territory for me. Yeah. Hey, look, we should carry on down the corridor and put up the fourth poster before we get to the auditorium itself. And this poster depicts Kit, your unpopular movie opinion. Never watch a movie on your on your phone. Never do it. But movie trailers, you can. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So no, any, any movie? I mean, for example, I saw someone on a plane recently watching Avatar 2, Way of the Water, that must just be a blue screen. Avatar 2, that's that's blue people in blue water. If you can't distinguish <laughs> what's going on. I mean, listen, if you've seen it a bunch of times before, I'll give you a pass. Mm. If you've seen it, if you've seen it a bunch of times. But for instance, I, I've got you on my iPad now. Right. I will watch a film on my iPad. It's a big enough screen. But my phone just I feel like my eyes are bigger than this. Obviously they're not, but I feel like they are. Um, it does. It, it feels like I'm missing out, and also like the sound quality and so on and so forth. Unless you know you got the good the good headphones, but yeah, I'd say trailers are fine. Don't watch a movie on your phone. Movies not on phones. Uh, do you know who agrees with you? Um, David Lynch, <laughs> film director David Lynch. He's uh, one of the most vocal people on this matter. Uh, I'll tell you yeah. what he said and see if uh, you agree in such uh, such strong terms. You think you'll have experienced it, but you'll be cheated. It's such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone. Get real. Listen, if you can put us in touch, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. good I'm glad, I'm glad after that quote you're like I'd like to talk more with that angry angry film <laughs> exactly. director yeah yeah I think I can approach it from a slightly calmer perspective <laughs> but I am in agreement yeah right that's it we've reached the final set of doors we push them open into the auditorium now there's a queue of people hoping to join you in the auditorium do you want to let them in do you want a busy screen yeah I want it I want it to be packed I want it to feel like it's a group event yeah, like well, is it? A, I think I think you get it with big event films that you kind of go, we're all experiencing this together. This is a really kind of beautiful thing, and it feels like it feels like something you remember. It's not just oh yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that. It's like I oh, know the day I saw that film, everybody was on one. Like yeah, it feels it feels it feels special. Well, the crowd go wild. They pour into the auditorium uh, now. Before the movie Pixverse begins, we're going to play a few little bits and pieces that you've selected to screen on our huge screen. And the first thing we're playing is the trailer for the movie you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema. Dune Part Two. I think. Ah. I think. I think that's the first. It, it's a given. Our previous question. It's a. It's a big one. That's like you have to see it. Like up there. And that first one was outstanding visually. And I'm like, well, you didn't finish the story. Give us the next bit. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, oh, you you yeah. mentioned Paddington 3. So let me uh, let me tease you with this talk of a June 3, uh, maybe. The really? Neville says it would be his dream to make three movies. Oh, my gosh. But is that just because he still hasn't finished the book? Or is it that he wants to do a sequel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have uh, well, to wait and find out. I think I think there was a, a I think Frank Herbert wrote a third book because I think he felt that everyone after the first novel thought Paul Atreides was a hero and he was like that's not what it was meant to be here's a third <laughs> yeah. book keep writing yeah exactly 
Uh, all right, then. The trailer for Dune Part 2 plays out on the screen. Next up, we're going to yeah. play the movie moment that makes you literally or metaphorically pump your fist in the air. To be clear, it's very rare that I metaphorically pump my fist without actually doing it. I'll always follow through and do it. I, I, yeah. I can vouch for that. When I said how much I loved Out of Darkness earlier, you literally pumped your face. I, I literally <laughs> did. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I love those moments when the unlikely hero or the sidekick gets the heroic moment and maybe the quippy line. Example, mm. Samwise Gamgee, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Picks up Frodo, goes up Mount Doom. Moments like that where you're like, finally! <laughs> and see, I'm doing it. You did it, you know. You can say, and that you was reflex. Okay, it was, good. Yeah. yeah, moments like that when when the unlikely hero gets the line and you go, "There they go, they've been overlooked, and now they get their moment." Yeah, those oh, ones. I see. Yeah. So, so we're, we're counting out moments where it's a genuine hero, like yeah, like where, uh, for want of a better example, where Thanos goes, "I am inevitable," and Tony Stark goes, "I am Iron Man." That he's yeah, already that's... a hero. That he's already a hero. I mean, no, no, I'll put them in there because they're, they're, those are the big payoff ones. Like I'd say, if you're, looking, if you're thinking that film, it's also like the ones that are a surprise, like Captain America actually gets the hammer. Like when the hammer fires him and you're like, oh, like it, you weren't expecting it, but it makes sense in your brain. It's a payoff from ages ago. Those, those ones are the ones that hit different, I think. Because you're like, oh, who saw this coming? I get, I, I got, I get you. So, so yeah. okay, because Bruce, Bruce Banner is not uh, particularly heroic in Infinity War, so yeah. he gets the line when Thor arrives. Oh, you guys are so screwed now. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those ones, those, those ones, really, 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 they, they tickle me. Love those. Love it. Love it. All right, we'll play. We'll play. Uh, we'll play your example of Samwise Gemji. I love. I love that moment. Right. Next, we're yeah. going to play on the big screen what you consider cinema's most shocking moment. I find it hard to pick a shocking moment. I think any. Well, I mean, we just talked about like, have you finished the story? I think any any time there's like a part one, and then you have to wait a year for part two. I mean, I remember being in the cinema. This actually, this did put together a bunch of our different answers. Mm. I went to go watch Avengers Infinity War at the midnight plus one minute screening. Because cool. I, I was at a pub and then was like, oh, it comes out tomorrow. Looked up and the cinema down the road from me where I used to live up in North London, that technically meant it was on today. So it was like, oh, we thought we could maybe go see it tomorrow night, but we can catch it tonight. Went and queued up and everybody in the local area that was there queuing up for a ticket, they were all huge like Marvel fans. I've met some people. I met this one guy who's an actor. He was there with his son. We are now friends and have also since worked together by chance. But he was like queuing up there with his adult son. He was like, I'll grow up, I'll grow up by reading X-Men comics. And I was like, okay. And it was everybody was sat together experiencing this film. Everybody who really cares at midnight. It was three hours, beautiful. And at three minutes past three in the morning, everybody in the movie dies and the movie ends. And it was this entire collective of people who love this stuff and were bonded with each other and watching it. And then suddenly we're like, well, where do we go from here? It's, it's, it's like that you therapy, just got the... Straight, straight into yeah. group therapy. <laughs> it's exactly the same feeling as when you, you were living at home in COVID and you watch a government address and they go, yeah, guys, it's, uh, it's not looking good. 
<laughs> Turns out it's all going down the drain. And you're like, well, thanks, Thanos. Yeah. yeah. It's a double-edged sword, though, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, when you, the end of that movie is a great example. Thanos finally rests and watches the sunrise in a grateful universe. Beautiful moment. But you are left going, well, I need to know what happens now. And But then yeah. when you they're both on home viewing and you can watch those two back to back, it's one of that's the greatest movie different. experiences. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. But yeah, cliffhanger like that is the one that hurts. All right. What line or piece of dialogue most affected you, Kit? I think it's just because it's one that comes up in conversation. It's odd that this comes up in conversation, I will say. But, mm. and if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good day. Truman Show, man. How does that come up in conversation? Tell me. I don't really know. I think it's one of those things that I might say to people if I don't see them for a long time. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, but, I um, like it. Yeah, yeah. It's not something I would say to someone I'll see tomorrow. Um, or my neighbours. I don't just quote Jim Carrey at strangers. <laughs> but um, Or maybe I do. Um, but it's one that just rattles around my head. I just think it's such a good line. Yeah. I think it's such a good line. Uh, there's so many to choose from there. All right. Yeah. We hear, and if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bounce round the theatre in Dolby Atmos. And the final question before we get to the movie you're screening for us is, what do you consider the best use of music in a movie? I mean... Well, any any John Williams track, but if I had to pick one of his films, I would say his score, specifically from The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that, okay. That the the collection of themes that are all in that film are iconic forever because it's the first one when you get the Imperial March. First time you don't get it in the first film, you only get it in that one. You get the Han and the Princess stuff. You get Yoda's stuff. It's yeah, it's incredible. No dumb coming out here. Well, as the final notes of John Williams' Empire Strikes Back score echo and fall silent, it is now time to reveal to us, your parents, this packed auditorium, the movie out of all others, Kit, you have chosen to screen for us tonight. What are we watching at one minute past midnight? I'm watching The Magnificent Seven. Okay. Magnificent Seven, the 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 OG, the OG, the Yul Brynner, Steve McQueen. I think it's just like it's one of those Sunday films that you'd watch on TV as a kid. Like you just you just have all the westerns on or whatever it was, and it just makes me feel warm inside. And I think it's if I'm going to pick something for a group of people that have probably already seen the thing, I want it to be something you haven't seen in a while, or something that you go like, here's a classic, you've never seen it, check it out. Um, I think there's also so many wonderful stories about the making of that film. And I could be that annoying person afterwards going, did you know? <laughs> um, um, which I greatly enjoyed being that annoying person. Um, but yeah, it's also the kind of film that like, if they were to remake it again and again, I would, I, I, I would, I would consider hurting someone badly to get my chance to be in, to be in that. Yeah. So that of all movies, that is the one you would chew your arm off, which you shouldn't do because you need to hold a pistol in it to play a role <laughs> in the Magnificent yes. Seven. Or one, one of a few, one of a few. I mean, yeah. If I'm ever gonna have to be a gunslinger again, hmm. um, that's that's the type of that's the type of thing I'd want to do. I think because okay. it, it's it's like Seven Samurai. It's like it's got so many roots and all those all those kind of stories of of good and evil and ensemble team stuff it's 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 up there i think it's i think it's just genius yeah. and you say one of a few have you uh, what else is on this wish list kit 
of things I'd love to do if they came across. I mean, you know, if if someone were to, um, I wouldn't complain if someone put a lightsaber in my hand. Um, I wouldn't complain. I would. Uh, I would thank them profusely. In fact, um, doesn't matter what color the lightsaber is. Just give me a lightsaber. Probably red. Um, and um, yeah, I think. I think. I'm I'm all about wanting to do different genres now and being surprised. I mean, there's a film that I mean, that's coming out next month called Beautiful Game, which is a football film. Oh, with Bill Nye. Never I'd, yeah, never thought I'd do a football film. Was thrilled, terrified about it at the beginning. So thrilled that I did it. Same with Same with Out of Darkness. Never thought I'd be doing a prehistoric horror film set in a completely made up place in a completely different language that has never been heard before. But am I glad I did it? Of course I am. So I'm letting myself be surprised. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, uh, well, it's our final question. The curtains have closed on the Magnificent Seven, but you are taking the stage, mic in hand, to tell this audience an exclusive fact about your career, past, present or future. I just say, I don't know about exclusive. I've already been acting for a long time, that part of 20 years already, because I started pretty young. But I plan to do it for a very, very long time. There's no expiry date on this thing. So stay tuned. Oh, mate, it's been a pleasure talking to you. The taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you go, let's recap your perfect trip to the movies. You are going with your parents at one minute past midnight. You are sitting in the middle row in the very centre, the most popular seat on the show. And you are having a large mixed popcorn with a large Coke. We're putting up a poster that depicts your fondest movie memory, taking your younger sister to see Paddington 2 in Oxford. Your second poster is your worst movie memory, which is watching The Village too young. The third poster is the last performance that brought you to tears. Brendan Fraser in The Whale, who you actually met at Comic-Con. And the final poster depicts your most unpopular movie opinion, which is you cannot watch movies on a phone, but you're dealing with it in a slightly calmer manner than David Lynch. You're letting the entire crowd into the auditorium. They're enjoying the trailer for June Part 2, the moment that makes you pump your fist in the air is whenever an unlikely hero gets a quippy line. The moment you consider cinema's most shocking is whenever a first movie ends on a cliffhanger ending. And the line or piece of dialogue from a movie that most affected you. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night. The best use of music in a movie, it had to be John Williams. And in the end, it had to be Empire Strikes Back. And finally, you are screening for us, the original, the OG, the Magnificent Seven. Kit, thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? Thank you. Thank you, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And as Kit's cab carries him out of this dimension, away from our virtual cinema, back to reality, we must all leave his movie paradise as well. But just before I say my final farewell, let me remind you, you can watch the full video interview for today's Kit Young episode or any of our previous episodes over on our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel, so do head over there and if you like what you see, please hit the subscribe button, it helps us immensely. And that really is it. I'll be back next week when another guest fills our cinema with their celluloid dreams as they take us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye. <laughs>